Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. That's the voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Welcome to Talking in Circles. Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow from SweetwayMedia.com. We're talking all things NASCAR tonight. We're talking about the NASCAR Hall of Fame inductees, the new, the five new NASCAR Hall of Fame inductees announced tonight. Red Horse Racing, sad news out of the truck series. Red Horse Racing closes its doors after 12 years of competition. Uh, we'll talk about that and what can be done to help a, a competitive truck series team that was Really good, have a championship, can't make it in the truck series. That's very, very scary. We'll discuss that. Um, Richard Slugger Labby out at RCR. Justin Alexander in at the three car. We'll discuss what happened and possibly who's next. Regan Smith back in the 43. Uh, we'll discuss his expectations for this weekend as well. And your phone calls, 917-889-8280 if you want to join a conversation here. But, John, let's get to it. Five new members of the NASCAR Hall of Fame on Wednesday, and the first one announced, and rightfully so, have been calling it for years and years and years, a guy who built winning engines in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, into the 2000s, owned a championship-winning race car back in 1999, won multiple Daytona 500s. Um, Robert Yates in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, long overdue, and rightfully so. Yeah, and... um... It couldn't have come at a better time. He was, I was listening to uh, Danielle Trotta interview him after he was intro, I mean, inducted into the hall. I mean, announced as a hall of famer and uh, you could hear how weak his voice was. And he was saying, well, if I don't make it this year, give me something to live for another year for. And you look at Robert Yates. He, Robert Yates is a pretty strong guy, about 210, 225 somewhere, whenever he was active running his team. And if he goes a buck 30 right now, um, our prayers are with him. I mean, he's fighting cancer, but this man has done so much to make the sport better. I mean, just little things that he talked about in this interview real quick. The gluing lug nuts on the hubs, I mean, on the wheels, on the rims, that was Robert Yates doing it. And he started working for Junior Johnson. He built an IndyCar winning engine. I mean, this guy has done it all. And his son has followed in his uh, father's footsteps and Roush Yates en- engines have been destroying the field all year. I mean, you never, ever worried about Yates's cars having horsepower. And you look, whenever he did take over the team, he took it over basically because Harry Rainier was running out of money and wanted to go. And Robert said, hey, we got a heck of a team here. I'll find a way to make it happen. He mortgaged his house. He put everything he had on the line. And he had Davey Allison, Larry McReynolds in that car. And that 28 car was something special. I, 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 that was my favorite car as a kid growing up. Um, and then he won with Ernie Irvin. Then he won with Ricky Rudd and Dale Jarrett. I mean, Dale Jarrett came in, won the championship in 99. He won with Ricky Rudd. Uh, he r- won with Elliot Sadler. I mean, the guy was just a winner. And as he said, I was just a mechanic. I loved tinkering with cars. And he was a simple man who did great things. And with 94% of the vote, I think Robert Yates proved he's a perfect guy to go into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I mean, I can't agree more. And I think, I think the thing that um, really 
puts into perspective how he is as a person is when, you know, Davey Allison, before he died, said, I'm going to drive for you for the rest of my career uh, if you buy Harry Rainier Racing. And it just, you know, what he did with that team and um, making a two-car operation. And, you know, I remember back in 2006 and 2007 when Robert Gates Racing was going to a completely different uh, way, you know, um, it was heartbreaking to watch. It really was. It was really heartbreaking to watch that Robert Yates Racing was a team that, you know, uh, was, was going by the wayside. Um, but the engines still may, remain the same. Doug's there, and no doubt Doug has brought the Yates name to bigger and better things. But he was taught all his knowledge and tutelage, and he was brought up by his dad, Robert. And I think that is, you know, the fact that his, you know, his, what he's taught goes into winning races in 2010 and 2017. Um, it just shows you how smart he was, how, um, you know, just how ingenuitive he was and just how smart he was, um, you know, and absolutely, John, I think, um rightfully belongs in and uh our prayers are with him. Second guy uh inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame was Red Byron, NASCAR's first champion, NASCAR's first race winner. Lost his leg in World War Two, um, had to make a handbrake to stop his race cars. Kind of a unique story, but he only had two career wins, fifteen starts in NASCAR's premier series. Um not sure a lot of people felt, you know, he's he's Definitely the first to do it. Definitely the first champion. But uh, a lot of people are kind of going, eh. His numbers really prevent him from being a legend, but he's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, John. What are your thoughts on Red Byron? Well, part of Red Byron's mystique is the fact that he had the one leg. I mean, he died at a young age. He was 45. Um, He wore a special brace because of the injured. He was a decorated war hero. But he's one of the pioneers of the sport. And one of the things you have to do, and the fact that NASCAR started so late with their Hall of Fame, is we get caught up in the drivers of today and who all should be in with their numbers and all that stuff. When Red Byron first got in to the series, there wasn't that many races. It wasn't like Richard Petty was running 50, 60 races a year. They were just starting the thing up. Maybe they had 15 races total in a season. Um but Red Byron went out there. He won the championship. He won the first one. It's sort of like if you would have a baseball Hall of Fame without Ty Cobb. Because how would Ty Cobb do in today's baseball? They didn't have the splitters, the exploding sliders, the um, split-fingered fastball. All those things weren't happening back when Ty Cobb played. But Ty Cobb was one of the pioneers of the game of baseball. So he's in the Hall of Fame. You have to put a spot for the pioneers in there. And I think Red Byron is a good choice. Um, And it's one of those ones where people look at numbers and they'll say, well, he didn't have this many wins or he didn't have this many races and all that stuff. He was first. And you got to take care of the person who was first. I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, he definitely belongs in. I think that's no, there's no doubt about it. And I think this is the right time. You know, we have, we've conducted, you know, quite a few people here now. I, I think you would have been, it would have been weird to put him in earlier than this, um, but he definitely belongs in. Next on the list was Ray Everham. Listen, a guy who changed the way, revolutionized NASCAR, changed the way we do things on pit road, changed the way we, we uh, build race cars. You know, 
Uh, Daryl Waltrip always used to determine I'd rather be a rule maker than a rule breaker. And Ray Abraham had a lot of rules made because of him. Um, him and Jeff Gordon, uh, when I was a kid growing up, John, him and Jeff Gordon were the the duo. They were on top of their game. And, uh, you know, Jeff Gordon was a great race car driver. He's a first battle Hall of Famer, hands down. But his best years, no doubt about it, were with Ray Abraham. And those two together had possibly the greatest from about 95 to, you know, 98 um, I think he left in the middle of 99. But those four years, those four or five years, were probably the best four or five years we've seen a driver and a crew chief have in NASCAR not named Petty and Inman. I mean, it was incredible to watch, and he definitely belongs in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And that doesn't even bring up the fact that he was a car owner and won a lot of races with Ray Ever- with uh, Casey Kane and Bill Elliott and Jeremy Mayfield. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Ray Everham? I think Ray Everham is a Hall of Famer, but I really don't think – I think it's a little early. Um, he was an innovator. He changed the way the sport was done. But to me as a crew chief and as a car owner, I don't think it lasted long enough. I mean, to be honest with you, Ray Evernham isn't Ray Evernham if he doesn't have Rick Hendrick's wallet behind him. And if he isn't, he isn't a car owner winning money, winning everything that they did as a car owner, if he doesn't have Dodge's money behind him. I think Ray Evernham deserves to be in the hall of fame. I just wish it would have waited a couple years, especially with Ray being sort of still in the sport as a consultant at Hendrick Motorsports. I think the book was written, but I think it was a short book and it's sort of, I mean, you hear the argument with the Alan Kowicki's, the Davy Allison's, the Tim Richmond's, their careers weren't long enough to pile up the numbers. A lot of these guys have, I don't think Ray Everham's career was really long enough. I mean, he had some great wins with Jeff Gordon and everything, but Chad Knauss blows him away as a crew chief if you look at the pure numbers. Um, I think Harry Hyde did more to innovate the sport than Ray Everham did. I mean, Ray Everham changed pit road, but Harry Hyde changed the way they built cars. And I mean, I think NASCAR has as many rules in for Harry Hyde and Gary Nelson as they do Ray Everham. I think it's he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I just wish it would have been a couple years down the road. Well, and obviously, um, when I meant not named Petty and Inman, I left out Jimmy and Chad because they're not eligible for Hall of Fame yet. But um, they would be definitely second on the list. But, you know, I think, Ray, it's interesting, John, you bring up a good point that it wasn't long enough. And when you think about it, he was a crew chief. He started with Jeff Gordon in 1993, um, really struggled that first year. They didn't win any races didn't really struggle, but they they weren't nearly as good. 94, they got their feet under them. 95, they took off. Um, and he was gone by 99, building Dodge. By the end of 99, building the Dodge team. Um, you know, got in 2001, Bill won one race there. Uh, and then he won two in 2002 and, and won 2003. Mayfield won a bunch of races. Kane, of course. But you're right, it wasn't very long, but I think it was a big impact. And when you think about other people on the list, um, they didn't have, I think it's what you do, and and his wins were. I mean, they won everything. I mean, it, they were unbelievable. The F twenty four car when Ray Everham was a part of it, and he definitely belongs in. I don't know if the timing. I think the timing is okay, honestly, because I just think he was that good um, to be in. Next on the list is Ken Squire. Listen, I love Ken Squire. I think he's great. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, but this is, and this is going to be me and my the candidate after this. This is going to be my opinion on this. I just think they belong in a different section of the Hall of Fame. You know, to me, you have all the people who, you know, were inside the trenches and inside NASCAR 
in one part, this goes for Bill France Sr. and Bill France Jr., and they belong in a different section, in my opinion, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Um, you know, there's a broadcast wing in the, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's where Ken Squire, to me, belongs. There's a broadcast wing in, in a, a lot of different Hall of Fames. There's a, you know, to me, Ken Squire, absolutely, anybody who broadcasts this sport on television tries to emulate Ken Squire. I love it. He coined the phrase, Great American Race. Um, he was, and when I was a kid growing up, he was tremendous doing the Daytona 500. Uh, I love him. I, I could listen. If he came back tomorrow and, and broadcast every cup race, I'd say, let's go. Um, but I just think there's, we could do different wings. Now, it's just the fact that we only put in five every year, and there's so many guys who belong in. Squire is definitely one of them. I mean, he was great. But, again, I just think there's different wings. I think it would make people feel a little bit better if there were different wings. What are your thoughts? Um, you and I sent messages back and forth before we did the show tonight. I'm a broadcaster, true and true. been doing it since I was 14 years old, still doing it on radio here in Boston. I love Ken Squire myself. NASCAR is what it is today, partially because Ken Squire went to CBS and talked them into doing live flag-to-flag coverage of the Daytona 500 in 1979. Then ESPN came along, and Bob Jenkins and those guys came in and helped grow the sport by television. But that first flag-to-flag race, and everything worked out perfect. They had the blizzard in New England where nobody could do anything except sit there and this is back before there was really big cable. So you had the four channels and one of them was CBS and we had Ken Squire, David Hobbs doing the Daytona 500. I think part of NASCAR being what it is, is because of Ken Squire. They have the Squire hall award for broadcasters. As much as I love what Ken Squire did for the sport, he never turned a wrench He never drove a car. He did a hell of a job talking about it. But this is one, this is where he needs to be in his own separate wing with the France France family. Um, And I really believe the car owner should be in a different wing as well. I mean, there should be a driver's, a crew chief, and a car owner's, and a broadcaster in. I think it should be four separate things. I mean, it's really unfair to me that a guy like Davey Allison is on the same ballot as Ken Squire. And Davey Allison won about 10% of the races he ran in. That's a hell of a great percentage for NASCAR. And he finished seventh in the balloting. Um, I don't think Ray Evernham should be going against Alan Kowicki. I mean, there should be separate things. It's like, if they're going to do it this way, say, okay, we're going to put three drivers, one crew chief, and one broadcaster or one um, contributor in. If that's the way they're going to do it, fine. But the drivers make the sport. Not many people up until recently even know who the crew members were. They don't know this. I mean, they just started making the crew. Everett Ham's the first time they really started making the crew chiefs famous. But if you think about it, Dale Earnhardt won seven championships, and I think he won it with six different crew chiefs. I think the only one he repeated with was Andy Petrie. So is it the driver? Is it the car owner? Is it the car? Is it the crew chief? I think there should be a separate ballot for each particular part. But Ken Squire, 
he, he helped make the sport what it is. The two biggest things that happened to NASCAR was when Junior Johnson went to RJ went to uh, RJ Reynolds asking for a couple hundred thousand dollars to help do his spot his uh, car, and they said we got about twenty million bucks we need to spend. Well, wait a minute, let me put you through to Bill France. Boom, NASCAR has the Winston Cup, and when Ken Squire went to CBS and the Daytona 500 was live flag to flag in 1979. Those are probably the two biggest things that changed the sport. You're right. And I, and I think that for that reason alone, he belongs into the hall of fame. Okay. The next one is Ron Hornaday jr. Um, man, I think what he did in the truck series, he, there's, here's what I'm going to say. He is the best truck series driver there's ever been. Uh, four championships, 15 plus wins. He's great. He was great in that series. One of the best, but here's my little bit of a, and this is coming from Lee in Virginia, who actually gave me this idea. And this is where I, I agree. People, there's people out there, and you can throw whatever you want, and I agree with this personally, who think that Kyle Busch, if, when he wins 200 races, because he's going to do it through all three divisions, whether it's Cup, his, his wins combined in Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks, when he wins 200 races in those series, there are people out there, myself included, who think it's not the same as Richard Petty winning 200 NASCAR Cup races. I agree with that. But when it comes to the Hall of Fame, we are putting Ron Hornaday Jr. in the same Hall of Fame as Bill Elliott, Dale Earnhardt, um, Rusty Wallace. The names go on and on and on. We're putting them on the same level. And that, to me, is why I think we should have sections and stuff like that. Because I think what Ron Hornaday Jr., if you don't consider what Kyle Busch has done in Xfinity and Trucks, if you think that doesn't count towards his cup wins and towards Richard Petty's 200 totals, then I don't know how you can vote Ron Hornaday into the Hall of Fame tonight. Um, I think, again, I think he is no doubt Mr. Truck Series. I've rooted for him in the Truck Series for years and years and years and years. He was great. But that's where I get a little bit kind of going, hmm, now Jack Ingram's in, and you can say it all about Jack Ingram, or Richie Evans, and all the people in, di- in, in the different series that have been elected into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. But to me, it's just different. What are your thoughts, John? I sort of equate Ron Hornaday Jr. to Crash Davis in Bull Durham. Um, he was playing in the minors. He got 30 at-bats in the show but he wound up setting the minor league record for home run and home runs in bull Durham and never got near the baseball hall of fame. If you think about it, the cup series is the show. The Xfinity series is supposedly triple a, the truck series to me would be double a. And then you have your K and N East and West as your single a series when it comes to the way base or equating NASCAR to baseball. Ron Hoard today was a hell of a double a ball player. When he got to the show, he wasn't very good. Now, granted, he drove for A.J. Foyt and a couple other crap teams, but it wasn't something he could do well. He couldn't take a 30th place car and make it a 20th place car. He couldn't take a 20th place car and make it a 15th place car. He could take a 15th place car in the Cup Series and make it a 20th place car. I think Ron Hornaday did amazing things for the Truck Series. They built it up from nothing. But, again... Ron Hornaday, I look at it, you look Ron Hornaday, Davey Allison. Ron Hornaday, 
Alan Kowicki. Alan Kowicki won a cup championship. Granted, he didn't have that many wins. He lost his life in a plane crash. Um, but he did it himself and won a cup championship. He beat the best of the best over the season and won a championship. And I listened to Richard Petty when he was talking on Speedway today, and he said, if you win a championship at the Cup Series, you should automatically be in because you're going against the best of the best. Ron Hornaday won four Truck Series championships. He was the best of the best at the AA level. Right. And, and, well, and that's how people consider it. It depends how you consider the series. Now, to me, there's people out there, and this was true about the Xfinity Series and the Sportsman Series when it started. It was just different rules. It was different body styles. It was all kinds of different things. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a breeding ground or lesser talent in those series. It was just different back in the 80s and the early 90s. It's sort of, you know, Cup Series teams, as the cars get closer and closer and closer, use that as a breeding ground. Same thing with the trucks. When the trucks first started out, it was a different series. It was a truck series. Now, obviously, there's a difference between trucks and cup, and I'm not saying that they're exactly the same, but a truck in 1995 and a cup car in 1995 are a lot different than a truck in 2017 and a car in 2017. So to me, again, it it depends how you view it. And, again, I think Hornaday is the standard when it comes to the truck series drive. I think he's the best ever in that series. He was great. I mean, I, to me, you you could still go out there and win races in that series in the right stuff, in the right situation. But, again, if, to me, it's just mind-boggling to me when Bush wins all these races in, in the Xfinity and trucks, people go, oh, that doesn't count because it's just, it just doesn't count because it's lower competition, it's lower division. Well, Ron Hornaday did the same thing, but he's in the same Hall of Fame. It just has me confused. That's all. I, I, I just and again, and we put other people in, and this conversation belongs to other people as well. Jack Ingram and all those guys. We put other people in, but to me, I would be more comfortable in a different section of the Hall of Fame. That's just the way I look at it. My personal opinion on the whole thing. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow from SpeedwayMedia.com tonight, talking about NASCAR Hall of Fame, talking about. All sorts of things. Red Horse Racing is next, John. Um, let's talk about it. You know, a, a great truck series team. They've been a competitive team in this series since 2005. Uh, started the year with Timothy Peters and Brett Moffitt in their trucks. Now have, are announced they're closing their doors after a 12-, 13-year run in the truck series. What are your thoughts, John? Um, it's, it's the beginning of the sad state of the sport. I know uh, <clears throat> we've talked about this before, and Lee and Virginia and I have argued back and forth about the charters being able to save ownership when it comes to the Cup Series. Those charters aren't going to pay the bills for a full season. Um, it costs about $30 million bucks to run a Cup team. It costs probably about 5 to $10 million bucks to run a uh, truck team, or somewhere about 5 $7 million bucks to run a truck team. And Tom Deloach is trying to run two of them. And he did most of it out of his own pocket. He's a former mobile oil executive. He had pretty deep pockets of his own, but you can't do that year in, year out. And he had made the final four last year. Excuse me, both Timothy Peters 
and Brett Moffitt are in the top 10 in points this year. But if you look, most of the time they ran, there was no sponsorship on the thing. And Tom Deloach did everything he could. He's still trying to, I mean, laid off 30 people, but he kept a core group there just in case he can find some sort of sponsorship or a partner to take over before Dover happens. He told Timothy and um, Brett, Timothy Peters and Brett Moffat, if you can find a ride, go get it. I'm not going to, I mean, I wouldn't be offended, but I mean, that's a pretty tough deal for Timothy Peters. Be six in points, looking pretty good to make the playoffs in the uh, truck series. And now all of a sudden, thanks for playing. We can't afford it anymore. I wish um, Tom DeLoach would have either started the season saying we're going to go the whole way through or tell everybody we're going to run the Daytona 500 if we don't find anything else, or the Daytona truck race, if we don't find anything after that, sorry, go about your way. And that would have given Timothy Peters and Brett Moffat a chance to find other rides. You know, here's my thing with this. And I understand where you're coming from, John. Absolutely. It stinks that it happened. It's a horrible time for it to happen for both of those drivers. Um, but Tom Deloach and those, and the uh, he's got a few partners over there at Red Horse Racing. They have put their own money into these trucks for a long time. I mean, I, can re- I can't remember the last time that sh- those trucks had a steady sponsor that sponsored all the races in the truck series for them. Um, I'd have to go back and search. You know, maybe it was strutmasters.com when he first bought in Timothy Peters all those years ago. Um, but he's been putting his own money, with Toyota's money as well, a little bit of support from Toyota, into those trucks year in and year out. And I admired that. I said, man, he is loves racing. He loves it. He's got to if he does that. But I think he finally said, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I've had it. You know, I just can't do it anymore. Um, the financial stress. As the, the costs, because they always do, go up and up and up, you know, I just can't do it anymore. I'm done. And just said, enough. It's closing the doors. I've, I've had it. You know, maybe he thought he'd find sponsorship this year. I admire him this year for really uh, taking a, a shot with Brett Moffitt, who I think is, is a good young driver who deserves a good ride. Um, and Timothy Peters, who I always pull for in the truck series. I love him. I think he's great. He's great for the series. Um it stinks. You know, it stinks for those guys. It stinks for everybody there. Um, you know, and it just makes you wonder, John, how a team that competitive in trucks. Now, Peters and, and Moffitt, with the right opportunity, uh, I think they could compete for wins in this series. Now, I don't think Red Horse was as strong this year as they have been in years past, but I don't think it was anything too dramatic. I think they were still top ten trucks. I'm not sure they could win on a weekly basis, but they were still very a very good team. But is it a problem, John, that a team that competitive in the truck series cannot make it, cannot find sponsorship? Um, you know, we've shortened the field in the truck series from 36 to 34 to 32 in recent years. And you go to the back end of the truck series, there's a lot of start and park teams there. Um, is there a problem right now with the truck series in your mind? There's a problem with all the series. I mean, you look at it, John Hunter Nemechek's a really good driver coming up. And a lot of the thing, it's funded out of Joe Nemechek's retirement fund. Everything Joe had that he won as a driver, he's been putting into the trucks for his son. They'll get a sponsorship every couple races or so, but there's a lot of times that eight trucks blank. Um, if you look at anybody other than Thor Sport, GMS, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Busch, 
this is Timothy Peters and Brett Moffitt were the only ones outside of those four teams that had a shot at winning on a, re- on a regular basis. Um, they were always competitive against them. They may have been a little bit slower because they didn't have the um, engineering and stuff support from like Penske does with Keselowski or Gibbs does with Kyle Busch or Thor Sport with their team that they've built on the, their own. But it's just sad. And it's the same way in the Xfinity series. I mean, you look at a lot of the drivers that aren't on cup fielded teams. Those guys are fighting for every position they can get. The Ryan Siegs of the world, the Jeremy Clements of the world. They're trying with everything they can. And the money's not there. I mean, if you don't have sponsorship in this sport, and this is where the business model to me is all screwed up to begin with. You need the sponsorship, which is true. But if you look at what they win on a race weekend, half the time it doesn't cover the bills. You can live on, you can't even live on the winnings alone. And at least with your local dirt track or your local short track, you make enough out of that that you can pay the tire bill and you can tune your engine and you can make sure that your car's uh, built and understood and everything's all locked up and tight. You can't do that in the truck series or the Xfinity series. And if you're not a championship level team on the cup side, you can't do it. I mean, heck, you look all those years, that one year that Jeff Burton didn't have sponsorship, Jack Roush ran half the season with a blank car. And then Burton went to Richard Childress and here comes Carl Edwards. And all of a sudden there's a sponsor. And it's just one of those things where it's so sponsor driven and you'd think they would take some of that TV money that they're getting and help the teams out more so they have a product to put on the TV. Well, I think they've done that in the Cup Series. I think the charging system in the Cup Series has really done that. Now, I don't know whether that has trickled down to the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series, but listen, like I said, the thing that is alarming to me is how long this team's gone without sponsorship. Now, I don't know what they're – you know, what they were looking for as far as amount of sponsorships, but you bring up a great point about John Hunter Nemechek, a great young kid with a competitive team and blank, a blank truck every week. And Kyle Busch, who, listen, you can say what you want. There's no rules about him running the, in the truck series. Um, he does a great job when he goes there. He's going to have four trucks in a couple of races this year, running a 46 truck for, for David, with David Gilliland's son, Todd, and number 46 pedigree Toyota. It's, brand, it's name recognition. People say, oh, Kyle Busch, we know that name. No offense to, to Tom Deloach, but people outside this, of NASCAR, you look at Red Horse Racing, they go, who's that? You know, they're, well, they're a truck series team. And so it's, it's not performance. I mean, Kyle Busch's team is going to win. There's no doubt. It's, so that's, from that standpoint, it's performance-driven as well. Um, and when you look at it, we don't run as many we don't run as many non companion events anymore. And I think you know, I think Kevin Harvick touched on this in his show, Happy Hours on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio this week. Uh, we need to get this truck series back to the grassroots. Um, I think it would help these smaller teams as well because a Cup Series team and a team that's affiliated with a Cup Series team knows all the ins and outs of Charlotte Motor Speedway, knows all the ins and outs of every you know, Kansas and all the track all the racetracks the trucks run on that are companion events to the Cup Series. But they don't know what it takes to get around South Boston Speedway, to get around what, 
you know, uh, Nashville, USA, to get around those racetracks. So those ex- those truck series teams that have run there for years and years and years might have a little bit of an upper hand because they know how to do it. Um, you know, I just think that would help the series a lot. Uh, you know, and Harvick made a great point, too. He said you would sell out the, at those racetracks. Where some of those racetracks might hold 15,000, 20,000 people, you'd sell out. You'd be the premier show there, and it would sell great on television because it's short track racing. Um, I, agree with, I agreed with them, and he, again, those points on his show were unbelievable. I thought they were great. Um, and it just it makes me sad for Red Horse Racing because it really makes you wonder, John, who's next? They're having trouble filling 30, 32 trucks, 32 trucks on the truck series. They're having trouble filling in that series, and now you take away two more. That was before Red Horse Racing shut down. Now you take away two more. The competition this time takes a big hit in this series because, as you mentioned, Timothy Peters, a great truck series driver, a driver who would compete for the championship, is out. Brett Moffitt, who wasn't very high in points, but maybe would have got, got a win, gotten into chasing the people for the championship. Out. So now the competition takes a major, major hit. You know, I was thinking about, and here's my question to you, John, and I'll, I'll answer my question before, I, before you answer yours, but I was thinking about what's next for these two. Peter's going to the truck series. That's a competitive team that he would be able to run for the championship for, and the only thing I could think of is really the 66 truck at Ross Chastain, a team that runs full-time, that Ross Chastain runs on a weekly basis. Other than that, you know, there's part-time teams out there. Teams might make something happen for him. But as of right now, there's not a lot of great rides out there, and it just shows you the competition in this series took a big hit. And that's what really concerns me, John. Well, you're right. There's there's no ride for them to go to because there's a, you could get a mid-marker team, put them in it, it's going to be a mid-marker team. If they had sponsorship coming with them, they could help build that team up. But obviously, they have no sponsorship with them because that's why the doors are shutting down at Red Horse Racing. They don't have any sponsorship. It's sad to see this way the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series, and at some points the way the Cup Series is starting to get. And <clears throat> I like the one thing that Harvick did say on his show. He's like, they, we run at Dover, and it's a friends and family crowd. They run it after qualifying on Friday, so they've got only X amount of time to get it in before it gets dark. And why are they going to go to the race on Friday whenever they're all going to pile in there for the cup race on Sunday? You'll get 75,000 people, 100,000 people, depending where you are for the cup series on Sunday. And then, I mean, I can tell you, whenever I was at New Hampshire in September – the first race of the truck chase last year. And there was 10, 15,000 there. If you put it at a 10, 15,000 seat track, then you have excitement. If you put 10, 15,000 people on a place that seats 85, it looks like a friends and family crowd and you wonder why they're bothering and it doesn't look good on TV. And that's, that's the thing also where you put in there and you, you know, you wonder why. And and we talked about this at nauseum, but I'm going to mention it again. It's the TV deal. The TV deal is very lucrative these last few years. And the truck series gets a part of that. And if, you know, they say, hey, let's not, we're not going to run the, the truck race, the second truck race, or the, the standalone truck race at Las Vegas this year. And obviously we know that's not going to happen because they're going to run one in the chase next year. 
But let's just say hypothetically, we're not going to run that. We're going to give it to um, Nashville, USA, because they, they, you know, it's only a 15,000 seat facility. We're going to give it to them. Now, they get all that TV money, Nashville, USA, and that would help build that racetrack up a little bit where it will only help them this year, help them next year and the year after. And if you have the five-year deal, it would really, really help them. So to me, that is a big-time deal. Um, also, I think when you know you think about that, it makes you sit there and go, "Why run these truck races at these facilities?" You know, but it comes down to money, and I don't know if those racetracks want to give that up for the best interest of NASCAR, and. That is, I think, what, what we're going to have to come to here is that these tracks are going to have to do something to give it up for the best interest of NASCAR in order for it to work. No, it's not going to happen. The reason that there are so many companion races, unlike back in the day whenever they were at their own little thing, it's production costs. Is having a satellite truck at South Boston Speedway to beam the signal up to get it down to wherever they're going to be, the people to shoot the cameras, the people to do the voice talent work, um, the people in the direct, I mean, in the truck doing the uh, directing, the single directing, all that stuff. It takes 200 people easy to put on a production of a NASCAR race. And if they're all at the same place, it's much easier to run the same people out three days in a row than hire a whole other crew to send them to the middle of nowhere and put it on TV. So the TV yep. people don't want to go to South Boston. They don't want to go to Toledo. They don't want to go to the Milwaukee mile for a single race when they can companion them and use the same crew and not cost them as much where they have to put a whole separate crew, whole separate satellite truck, whole separate um, cost to beam the signal up and back. It's just not in the, uh, it's not feasible for them to do it. So it's one of those things you, you have to do the companion events if you want to keep the TV contract. Without the TV contract, they can't make what money they do make. But I can tell you flat out, there's still too much money going into Daytona Beach into the France family pocket and not into the people who make the sport happen. Absolutely. And that's where you have to sit there and say, it's time to look out for the best interest of NASCAR. Um, and it's going to come a time where we're going to push is going to have to come to shove because we're going to get to a point where this TV deal is going to start to run out. And if the ratings are down, they're not going to re-up with that high stuff. So we need to figure out a way to, they're not going to re-up with that same amount of money. So we're going to have to figure out a way to get that series, the truck series better, more eyeballs to it. Um, And I hope, you know, best of luck to Timothy Peters, best of luck to uh, Brett Moffitt, um, best of luck to Tom DeLotion and those, all the people involved with Red Horse Racing. I'm sure I missed a, a few people over there. Uh, it was heartbreaking. I read that Monday, and, man, I was I was really, really upset about that. There's uh, one I, more thing. I, I when you, pull, pull for Clayton, ahead, when you look at it, as you, whatever we were saying about the people at NASCAR and all that stuff, if they don't get things together, by the time this TV contract runs out, they're going to renew at a smaller level, all that stuff. Brian France really doesn't seem too concerned about what goes on. And his nephew runs in the truck series. I mean, Ben Kennedy runs in the truck series, Lisa France Kennedy's son. I could see when this runs out, and if it goes to crap and NASCAR doesn't make any money, I could just see Brian France saying, okay, I'm done. Full pitch, NASCAR's over. He's got more money than we could all spend 
because of these TV contracts and selling tickets and having half a casino and all that stuff, they have more money than you can print. But yet they're making sure that their pockets are full. If NASCAR goes away, are the Fran- is the France family going to lose any sleep? The ones who are there now. I would hope so. I would really, I, and I do. Think I don't they think would so. Feel, listen, I would really hope so. I, I do think they would feel uh, upset about it. But you know, Brian puts on a persona, no doubt about it, and he doesn't seem concerned. But you got to remember, he's also the guy who preaches. You got to talk positive about the sport. You gotta, you know, we gotta talk positive because if we do that, then the fans will come back. Um, but you know, so he's also that guy. He also does, you know, he believes in the restaurant theory where if you talk bad about the restaurant, nobody's gonna come. Um, but to me, if you know, people don't like the fish, then change the fish. Uh, that's the way I look at it. So listen, I, it's just sad to me that the red horse racing, the whole deal with that, has shut down. Um, I just hope. You know, everybody work. It works out for everybody in the end. I hope Brett Moffat gets it done because I think he's a good young kid with some talent. I, I'm not sure he's yet, he's ready yet for a big time Cup ride, but I think with the right seasoning, he could very well be. Um, and this was a nice opportunity for him in the Truck Series. Gone to Timothy Peters, one of my favorite Truck Series drivers this year. These last couple of years, gone. Good good talent. Um, I just hope they catch on somewhere. Really, nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. If you want to join the conversation on Talking Circles. John, the NASCAR schedule was released for 2018. We talked about it last week. There was rumors. We talked about the article. But one surprise, one big surprise, and if you missed missed it, I'll run it real quick. Indianapolis obviously moves to the final regular season race of the the season. Chicagoland moves into July. Richmond will go to the chase. And Las Vegas will move to the first race of the chase, replacing Chicagoland. Um, But the real shocking news, I think the news that wasn't reported on, there was talk that it was happening but it wasn't official, and now it's official. They're going to run the road course at Charlotte Motor Speedway during the playoffs. Sort of a, it's going to be a third race of the chase, a very interesting thing because you take away a mile and a half track, you put in the road course. A lot of fans have called them, I've been talking about road course racing. I don't think there's any um, doubt about that, but it's the Roval that people are calling it. At Charlotte Motor Speedway, the answer for the road course, John? Not even close. It's not even close. Um, They haven't put two cars side-by-side on that thing yet. And going to be... I got a feeling this first time they run on that thing is going to be the Indy tire debacle. Unless they do something smart like go out in the off-season and test it, and see, because I don't think it's wide enough. I don't think it's something. I really don't think it's something the fans at Charlotte really want to see. I think the folks at Charlotte like seeing cars go in circles. I don't think they want to see this Roval thing. I don't think half the drivers want to see it. I, I think if they want that. to go to a road course, they want to go to a real road course. But again, you know, it comes down to money. Charlotte Motor Speedway has to get that date, a lucrative date with the with the chase, bring in that money. Um, and no racetrack would. And I think we're getting to that point where, yeah, it'd be great to have them run at Road America. 
to have them run at Mid-Ohio, something like that. The Canadian road course, they run at the truck series. It would be great to see that, but these racetracks aren't going to sit there and go, yeah, let's do that. I'll give them my date for the best interest of NASCAR, sure. Instead, they're running the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, listen, I'm all for, I'm, I'm for change in ways. I understand that fans want a road course. I'm sick and tired of watching mile and a half. Me personally, no doubt about it. I've been griping about mile and a half for 10 years, saying we need different mile and a half tracks. We need to take some away. This is an opportunity to take a mile and a half track away. Um, they're not running any sh- – it's just a longer distance in the infield as Charlotte Motor Speedway, so really it's – they're not really running – I think it, they come back on like right after they come off the on a roval if you look at the course. So it's really not a road course per se like a Daytona. They take, out half, they take away half the track when they go there. But that's where the roval theory comes from. But you're right, John. They haven't run two cars there. I, I was There was talk it was too narrow. They were going to do it this year, but they said, well, it's too narrow. Maybe they're trying to make some adjustments to Charlotte Motors to make it a little bit more wider. Um, but it's a risk. There's no doubt it's a risk. I think people are looking at it going, well, that's a risk to do. And they hope maybe in two, three years they can really get this thing going good and we can run the road course at Charlotte and it'd be one of the staple events in the Cup Series. Um but that's not happening, you know. And, and to your point, it's, uh, Pierre's happy with their date. So does Watkins Glen. So they don't want to move into the chase. Uh, again, I think it would have been hard to move some of those dates around without Bruton Smith saying, well, I, how about, how, why am I losing my Charlotte date? I don't think ISC wanted to lose any dates. I don't think they wanted to leave Dover. So um, it makes you, you know, makes it interesting. No doubt about it. But I agree with you, John. I think um, it's going to be very interesting to watch that race next October 2018. Uh, I would like to see the progress of that racetrack. I think they are going to make some changes that, than what we saw when AJ Amendinger tested there earlier this year. I would like to see maybe the All Star race there first, to be honest with you, because you have a non companion event, non points event there. The All Star race in 2018, I think that would have been a better move because at least you could sit there and say, well, we tried it. Um, the you know, All Star race can't really get any worse at this point. Um, worked out well, then yeah then absolutely put it into the chase. But very risky, I think, John, to do the robot at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the not chase. Just, not just that. It's a cutoff race in the chase. So you're going to a place that you've never been before with no notes, no nothing. You, you've got to be able to run on three-quarters of the tracks. So you've got to be able to have your car be able to go 175 mile an hour but then you got to woe it up to get it through that turn and get through all the other turns. This is a whole different road course than you've ever seen. I mean, most of the road courses, if they hit 155, 160, it's something, it's something amazing. They're coming out the whole back stretch, going through three and four, coming through most of the front stretch, and then they hit the roval part of it. I'm telling you, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Hey, we'll see. <laughs> You know, uh, it, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. 2018, I, I, I'm curious. I'm interested in it just because I want to see how it plays out. If it works out well, great. I'm, I hope it does. Um, I would have been more comfortable in the All-Star weekend, like I said, just because you had had some, some experience there. You had ran the tire. You could have figured out what tire you want to run there. Obviously, there's going to be tire tests and stuff like that. But it would have been better to me if we sat there and said, we're going to run the first road course race at Charlotte Motor Speedway in a non-points race. There you go. It's going to be a test, and yeah, we can probably move it 2019, 2020. They're probably, if it works out well, we're going to put it in the chase. If not, we'll make some modifications, keep running it during the All Star race, 
until it's ready to go. Um, if it's never that good, then we'll keep what we have. But um, hey, it's it's a it's a risk, but it's a in, very interesting um, thing. We'll see. I think fans are there's some fans that are really happy about it because you get a road course, and there's some fans who are kind of going me about it. But hey, too many mile and a half tracks, so one less on the schedule. I think. Well, not really one less, but it would have been crazy because you had Loudon, which is a mile and a half track, but um, one equal itself out now because of the roll at Charlotte. Well, the one Last thing that minutes, one of the things, Clayton, while we were at that, um, with this Roval going into it and the way they adjusted the schedule, I think NASCAR really put themselves on the ragged edge because of moving the earlier the spring Richmond date into April and moving the spring Dover race into May. They're both. They could be big time struggling on those. It's usually rainy and chilly in Dover in early May, and it's usually chilly in Richmond, chance of snow in early April. There's still a shot that those two races could end up, instead of having sunny, nice days or nice, a, a good night to bring people to Richmond, it might be one of those ones where it's too cold and nobody comes. Hey, it, it very well could. Um, but they used to run Richmond the old – short track goodness they ran that I think the second or third race of the year after Rockingham or right before Rockingham at times so um, it can't get and much it's been colder than out, out there in Virginia <laughs> yeah it has you're right um, and in this era I think most people will have to stay home and watch on TV but you bring up a good point about Dover Dover has trouble selling tickets anyway so you know bringing it up earlier is interesting but at least spreads those dates out a little bit more if you look at it and say well hindsight's 2020 you spread it out a little bit more because they're not too close where you keep hitting the same people over and over again um so at least spreads those dates out a little bit more moving on here john um slaughter lobby out at richard children's racing was crew chief for austin Dillon. uh also another crew chief change we saw earlier in the week was randall burnett is was out at jpg bernie cope in this is the second one we've seen in in a week. Slugger Labby out of Richard Childress Racing. Justin Alexander in. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, Slugger was on Sirius XM this week, talked about how he decided to he wanted to do something else after Austin Dillon spun out of Kansas. He said he kind of said, you know what, after that I was done. Um, I, I think there's been a lot of tension there. Uh, he got suspended by Richard Childress Racing for the Richmond race over failing inspection prior to Bristol, they had to lose their uh, their pit stall because of how many times they failed inspections the week prior. Uh, they also had the issue where, um, I think it was, I forget what race it was, they didn't even make the first lap before they had parts break. So I think it's been a little bit of a, of a tension there at RCR and, Rich, and Richard Swagger Labby. He's out at, at RCR, Justin Alexander's in, who was Pullman Arts, Justin Alexander was Pullman Arts crew chief the last few seasons before they brought, brought Matt Borland in this year. So what are your thoughts, John? Um, Swagger was a great crew chief. He won, he won some races at Pulmonard. Um It looked like him and Austin Dillon were really hitting on all cylinders last year. What are your thoughts on Slugger Labby being out at Richard Childress Racing? Um, it was interesting listening to Slugger when he's talking about whenever he decided to go to Richard and say, hey, maybe we ought to both come up with some other idea because this doesn't seem to be working. I think part of it's... Um, the silver spoon of Austin Dillon. I don't think um, 
he I don't think he is invested in the car yet. It's sort of like Dale Jr. when he was young. Dale Jr. got in the got in the car, grabbed the steering wheel, and drove. What's wrong with it? I don't know. Can't turn. He'd never give he didn't give good feedback until almost when he hit Steve Letarte. That's the first time he really started giving good feedback because Steve said, if um you give us the info, I can give you the car you need. And I think it's one of those things that Slugger wasn't seeing the effort from Austin Dillon. I don't think Slugger was adjusting well to the laser inspection and the new uh downforce package, so maybe it was the best thing that could happen. Slugger will get a he'll get a he'll get a car to crew chief. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next because, um, you know, he's got a lot of information from Richard Racing, so we'll see if they've kind of said, we can't go anywhere for a while. be interesting to see that. 917-889-8280. Join the conversation on Talking Circles. Like Lee in Virginia. Hey, Lee, what's going on tonight? Hi, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, well, can't complain uh, too much, Lee. About? I kind of want to talk about the Hall of Fame nominees or something that's really kind of irking me here. A couple of things that I'm not happy about with the Hall of Fame nominees, and then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe finish up with the schedule. But, you know, I haven't been a guy who's who's been too keen on putting drivers in from other divisions other than the Monster Energy Cup Series. And Alan Kowicki should be in. I understand the fact that, you know, it was tied with him today, but – People are saying that Alan Kowicki doesn't have enough cup wins to make the championship, to make it to make a championship and, and to, you know, or to make the Hall of Fame. Um, but Ron Hornaday doesn't have any, and he got inducted. So it, it's a little, to me, um, how, how do you do that? I, I don't understand that one for sure. And Davey Allison as well, I think should be in as well. But uh, you know, Allen there, oh, Hornaday over Allen. I, I don't, I don't get that one. Especially yeah, when they went or, back or and re voted. It, right, yeah. and and you know, I mean, Hornaday's Cup career was was not not great. No, we mentioned that earlier on the show. You're right, and man, it, it's just to me, Brent, to me, Lee. I think it would be better if we had certain sections in the Hall of Fame. I think uh, broadcasters wing, like we see in Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, maybe a, a other divisions where. We can still acknowledge those people, absolutely, and they belong in. They they were great at what they did, but have them in a different section of the Hall of Fame than the big time guys who did it in Cup. Now, and obviously, there's some guys who didn't make it in the Cup Series who probably were just as good, if not better, than the Hall of Fame guys. But I, to me, where do you draw the line? You know what I mean? So, um, to me, it's just I don't know. I would like to see sections and. I guess we'll never see that. Uh, what what yeah, about and, as far as the schedule is concerned? Uh, uh, yeah, I want to point about, about Hornaday. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just I was just very disappointed in that. And you know, they always argue that oh well, Kyle Busch is 200 wins if he wins 200 NASCAR races aren't the same as Richard Petty's. I agree with that, but then these same people are putting people in the Hall of Fame from from those divisions. I I, I just it, it's mind-boggling to me, but. Um, you know, the schedule. I was I was I'm still very very disappointed about Indianapolis ending the season, you know, it, it's, it doesn't do anything for the fans. You know, I heard excuses yesterday of, oh, well, you know, that's a great market and we need to rebuild, we need to reboost, revitalize that market in NASCAR. Well, it still doesn't do anything for me as a fan because that race sucks, period. And it's always going to suck no matter when it is, no matter where it is. It's going to suck, and now it ends the season, and that's really going to suck. So uh, I don't like that at all. 
but I am very, very happy with the, with the, with the playoffs. Each round kind of has a little bit of a different racetrack in it. Uh, you know, each, you know, there's no, there's no more than one intermediate in each round that I really, really like that. I think that's going to be a good thing and we'll see how the Charlotte Roval works out there. Um, we'll see how that works out, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun with, with all the different, uh, diversity now in, in the playoffs. For sure. Lee, you bring up some great points, and we appreciate you calling. I wish we had more time with you here on Talking Circles tonight, but uh, call back next week, will you? Thanks, Lee. Um, so, listen, you brought up a lot of good points here, John, but something I want to talk about um, about the show Talking Circles this week. Uh, we, we are going to be part of the third – let me get this straight here as I have it up on my uh, Facebook page – Three and out radio.com. We're going to be part of that online radio um, station, the online radio station, three and out.com. We're going to be on Saturdays. We start at this show. First show is nine o'clock. John can't be with us on Saturday. Um, but we're moving to three and out radio. Hopefully this will bring us to a bigger, lot, bigger, better audience. Um, and you folks who listen to us via this way on talking circles can and, and nothing's going to change. I want to make that clear to everybody. Uh, we try. Uh, what I admire about John is he he calls it straight. Um, I try and do the same thing. We built our reputation on that, trying to play it and be honest. Um, and nothing is going to change as far as content is concerned. Um, so Saturdays, uh, if anything changes, that I'll let you know. But threeoutradio.com, we're going to be announced. We're going to be on that, John. Uh, what are your thoughts, quick? Talking circles. Trying to get to a bigger audience. Well, first of all, I, I want to thank the folks who do listen to us now because, I mean, if it wouldn't be for you guys, it'd just be me and Clayton talk to each other. We just have mics and a phone. That's, I mean, we could do that online. Um, it's great that we do have people who call in and appreciate what we talk, what we talk about. It's great to have people who love the sport of NASCAR. Um, I've been a fan for forty plus years. Clayton's been a fan for twenty plus years. Uh, I think we have a knowledge of the sport both inside from a media perspective and as a fan. And the one thing about it, I've never lost my fan hat. I mean, I've made no bones about it. I was a Tony Stewart fan. I'm still a Stewart Haas fan and I want to see the sport grow, but I'm also not afraid to say, Hey, this sucks. You need to do something better about it. Right. And I think it's, I always compare it, John, to those, like when you have a son or, or, uh, somebody you love and they're kind of going down the wrong way and you have to sort of say, grab them and say, Hey, what are you doing? That's kind of what we want to do here is say, Hey, what are you doing here? We love you. We'll always love you, but we want to see you prosper and be smart and, and, and be successful. Um, so that's why we kind of do it the way we do it. Um, and I think it's fun. I think it's different. You know, I grew up in a radio, New York sports radio atmosphere. You grew up in Boston, you know, Pennsylvania and Boston's atmosphere. They're all the, the same as far as how honest they are. And I admire that, and I want to bring that to NASCAR. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles. I'm excited for the new change. We'll see you Saturday, 9 a.m. You know, that, that time is going to fluctuate throughout Saturday. Um, but 9 a.m. this week, we'll talk about whatever, you know, we'll talk about the world of motorsports. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Talking in Circles. Goodbye.